Welcome everyone to our Basics for Bible Believers lesson. We're glad you're joining us tonight. And just by way of reminder, this is uh, a lesson for um, the new converts. This is the one that we've been talking about. We'll try to get those ones that are just getting started in the faith and growing in the Lord. And also for those ones that want to take the notes down, they can also teach this to, um, to others, as the Bible says in Timothy that commit these things to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So you can take this time to write your notes down and uh, get some things together that you can teach others as well. Now, last time we started uh, by way of introduction talking about these things and uh, about Bible basics and basics for Bible believers. And we talked about uh, being born again. And just, uh, just a bit of review, but before we do that, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, your dear Son. We try our best, Lord, not to take this for granted, that, uh, Lord, you sent uh, your Son to die for us in our place. And, God, uh, we need to live every day in light of the fact that uh, the love of Christ constraineth us and reminds us of, of the great um, privilege we have to be called by that holy name, Christian, and God, it's a great high calling, Paul says, and Lord, we thank God for that. And we pray that you'll bless the saints tonight, especially those young in the Lord, that they could learn these truths and apply them to their heart and life and just uh, be a mighty warriors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to get on good footing and good ground. Every building has to start with the first stone, and we know that that stone has been laid in Jesus Christ. And now uh, we build upon that, and Lord, we pray that you bless your word and, and build um, uh, the saints of God tonight. And I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a bit of review here. Uh, so we talked about last time, uh, born again, being born again. And uh, we talked about how the Bible says the word of God teaches that man is a sinner, and uh, how he's depraved, and his, all of his uh, ears, nose, throat, and all of that's... Um, uh, messed up, and it has been uh, from birth. In the Bible, in the book of Psalms, it says that man comes forth from the womb speaking lies. Uh, David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. And uh, you say, we were born without a chance, if you will. We were born uh, in the likeness of our father Adam, and uh, sin passed upon all men. And so we looked at the heart in Jeremiah chapter seventeen nine that says it's desperately wicked, uh, who can know it? And so a man, uh, the, the popular thing today, man tries to, to tell uh, other lost people, man tries to say, follow your heart, follow your heart. Well, if you follow your heart when you're lost, it'll lead you to hell, and it'll deceive you, and it'll cause you problems. And so don't, you should trust, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so you say, what do we do as Christians? As Christians, we follow the Lord, and the Bible says we follow Him with all our heart. And the Bible says in Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so we keep our heart and mind on the Lord, and uh, our steps then are ordered by the Lord. And that's how we keep our heart straight. Amen? But we can't trust our old, wicked, Adamic heart, uh, because it's desperately wicked. We looked as well last time about the place uh, in the Bible called hell, a burning fiery hell that's literal, physical, burning fire. Uh, we looked at uh, Revelation 20 uh, about the white throne judgment and the book of life, and we looked at those things. Uh, 
And then um, we talked about how Jesus Christ died in our place. And you say, why did he do that? To endure, he endured our pain, he bought our pardon, and he experienced our penalty. And we looked at those verses in Romans 5, 8, John 3, 16, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And we, we closed out and finished in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, uh, actually 3, 18, uh, how Jesus Christ died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And so we continue on from that point. So the next thing I'd like to say uh, as, as, as you're getting going here and something that's important to note and a lot of people are mistaken about, and you say, what's that, preacher? Well, they're, they're mistaken. They think that they're born again from birth. Uh, the Bible teaches that no one is born again automatically. No one. Um, while God desires for all to be saved, amen, uh, you say, how do you know that? 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 in your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3. Hebrews, the book of James, 1st and 2nd Peter. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the Lord wants uh, all men to be saved. Uh, the Lord, uh, the Bible says there, He's not willing that any should perish. And so that's not God's will. He really does want that. But God will not uh, overthrow your own will. Just as Adam and Eve was in the garden, and He put a tree in the midst of the garden. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you say, why didn't he put it uh, behind closed doors? Why didn't he put it on the edge of the garden? Because he gave them choice. He put it in the midst of the garden, the Bible says, right in the middle. Uh, he didn't hide it from them. It was a choice that they had to make to choose the Lord or choose uh, wrong. And, uh, you know, eventually they did choose to do wrong. And so he's chosen, the Lord has chosen to leave our eternal destiny in our own hands. Um, or that decision at least. And so you say, what has God done? God has offered us as Christians, as individuals, God offered the free gift of eternal life. Now that's up to each individual uh, to accept that uh, or reject it. They're, they're supposed to receive it. So go over in your Bible to John chapter 1. We, we made mention of it last time before we closed down, but we'll go there now. This is all still under the heading of being born again. John chapter 1. Very simple. Uh, I'm glad that we have a Bible that's clear and concise and simple. Uh, and, and we don't have to worry about it being too out of our depth. The Bible says that the Word of God contains milk. Uh, that you desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And so the Bible doesn't make this hard to be understood at all. It's very simple. John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, fourth book of your New Testament, chapter 1, John chapter 1, and verse number 11. The Bible says, He came, that's Jesus, unto His own, and His own received Him not. You say, who is that? Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was a Jew. Uh, he was sent and born under the law, and uh, He came to deliver those that were under the law. And the Bible says he came unto his own, he came unto Israel, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power 
to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So as to as many as received him. The offer was made, the offer is made, and now it's up to the individual if they will receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans, uh, take your Bible and turn over to Romans. If you turn to your right from the book of John, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And verse 13. Most of you, if you were led to Christ, and uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with being led to Christ, amen. The Bible said about Philip over there in the book of Acts that uh, he met with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And so Philip was used of the Lord to guide him, and to show him Jesus Christ. The Bible says he opened at the same scripture and preached unto him, which is the book of Isaiah, and he preached unto him Jesus. Amen? And so Romans chapter number 10, and the Bible says there, if you, if you got it, Romans 10 and verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's up to each individual to receive... Uh, the gift of God, which is eternal life. Man has a free will. Man has a free will. We're given the ability to choose. We can choose to either repent and believe uh, or reject and perish. Uh, look at Joshua chapter 24. Now that's the sixth book of your Old Testament. So if you start in Genesis and start turning, you'll be at the book of Joshua and six books. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... Joshua, Joshua chapter number 24, Joshua chapter 24, I know I'm going a bit fast, you may have to pause it later and uh, write some of these references down or go back and that's okay, don't feel bad if you can't get there straight away, we'll try to take our time and let you catch up to us. We can choose to uh, either um, accept him or reject him. It's man's free will. Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a choice. Joshua said, I've made my mind up. And he gave them the choice. In verse 15, he said, If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. It's your choice uh, whom you will serve. Uh, he said, serve the gods of the Amorites, serve the gods of the heathen, or serve the God of heaven. Serve the Lord. Amen? And make that choice. Look at Matthew. Back to the New Testament. First book of your New Testament. Matthew, chapter number 23. Matthew, chapter 23. Matthew, chapter 23. Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 37. 
Matthew 23 and verse 37. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens um, together, even as thy hen, sorry, gathereth thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And so the Lord says there, um, he said, I would, I would have gathered you, and, and he said, I would have taken you. And he said, but you would not. The Lord called, the Lord offered, and people reject. People reject. And so you say, you need to choose the Lord. Look at John. You're in Matthew. Go over and keep on going. John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. I know we're all over the place. That's all right. That's all right. You, you go through the Word of God and you, you'll get a good foundation as we go uh, scripture, with, scripture with Scripture. The best, commenta- uh, the, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. The best dictionary you can get on the Bible is the Bible. Uh, you'll, you'll find that the Bible has a built-in dictionary. It defines its own words. It's an amazing book. John chapter 12 and verse 48. John chapter 12 and verse 48. The Bible says, He that rejecteth me. So that means to show you that a man can reject. He can choose or he can reject. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so in verse 48, it talks of rejecting and receiving. Rejecting and receiving. And so we tell you to be born again in, in order to get to heaven. Ye must, you must be born again. No and, if, or buts about it. It's a, necess- it's a necessity. Amen. So you're there in the book of John. Turn over to John chapter number 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You must be born again. It's an imperative. If you want to get to heaven, that's what it requires. Amen. John chapter number 3. And verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees, Named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. Now that's just a, um, that's a word there that uh, verily, verily, that's truth, truth. And he's telling the truth, amen, that, that um, uh, in, if you study that word, that comes from veritas, and that's truth, amen. And just the, it, so if you, in other places you'll read in the Bible and you can cross-reference, it says, truly, truly, or truly. And so he says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when the Lord says something twice, uh, you ought to listen. When the Lord says your name twice, uh, he calls out and he says, Simon, Simon, <laughs> And he calls your name twice or he says something twice, you ought to listen. Amen. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's impossible. He can't get there. Amen. Nicodemus saith unto him, now the Jews were bad about taking everything and, and making it physical uh, straight away. Uh, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So, of course, uh, when, you, when you study this and see this, uh, Nicodemus takes the route and says, How can I enter the second, in, second time into my mother's womb and be born again? I've already been born once. And uh, Jesus answered and explains it to him in verse 5. Verily, verily, there he goes again, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water... And of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, we need to stop right there and explain something to you. When you read verse 5, uh, straight away people will think, and in your mind you'll think, Oh, that means you need to be baptized, uh, except a man be born of water. No, that's not what that's talking about. You see, Nicodemus had just mentioned uh, going back inside of his mother's womb. And uh, Jesus Christ said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh. So the context before uh, verse 5 and after verse 5, that being born of water is a physical, natural birth from the womb. And so uh, a lady today, she, she'll depend on something. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but... Uh, most of the time, you say, what happens? They, they'll say, honey, come quick, my water broke. Well, is it water in there? Of course it is. Uh, that's what the baby spends nine months inside of the mother's womb, and that water breaks, that which is born of the water. So it's a physical birth, physical birth. Verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the, the second birth, the being born again, is being born of the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit. And verse 7 says, marvel not. Don't be puzzled by this. This is not deep. This is not hard. This is not uh, to confuse you. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born Again. Amen? Amen? You must be born again. Uh, if you want to get to heaven, if you want to get to the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born again. Amen? Uh, turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you've been saved recently, this is what took place the moment you trusted Jesus Christ and asked Him to save you. Turn to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse number 22. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. The Bible says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. You say, what happened? You purified your soul by obeying the truth. Amen. Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. 
See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed. That's the first birth. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. So he's talking about the physical and the spiritual. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Do you get it? The Bible says that you've obeyed, verse 22, seeing you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. And verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. Uh, look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So what comes after you're born again? The Bible says you lay some things aside and then you as newborn babes in verse 2 desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Amen. So that you can grow. Praise the Lord for that uh, Bible there that's meat to the strong and milk to the weak. Amen. We need that. We need that. Amen. And there's no shame in needing milk. Amen. There's no shame in that at all. All of us as Christians, to become mature, you have to go to the milk of the Word of God and grow from that. And uh, take your Bible and turn to Titus. Titus chapter number 3. Titus chapter 3. So back from Peter, uh, turn to your left to go to Titus chapter number 3. Titus chapter 3. And verse number 5. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says not of works, not by works, of righteousness. Which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that comes from salvation in Jesus Christ. It's not by works. Not by works of righteousness. So don't be deceived into believing those religions out there that would tell you that you can work your way to heaven. That you can do good works to earn God's uh, favor to let you into heaven. See, a lot of people are deceived... As I was when I was young, I, I went to, off the assumption that one day I would die and my good works would outweigh my bad works and hopefully the good works were good enough to get me into heaven. And you say, what is that? That's a lie from Satan. That's a lie from the devil. He is the father of lies. And you say, what, why would he benefit from that? Because he gets you into thinking that your righteousness will get you into heaven. And that simply is not true. The, the fact is you will stand in judgment one day if you are lost. 
But when you bring your works up, your good works can never, can never uh, outweigh, uh, your good works can never outweigh the bad works that you've done. You say, why? You say, well, all it takes is one sin and you become a sinner. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unless you are as righteous as Jesus Christ, you're not getting into heaven based on your own righteousness. Mm, you ever think about that? I have a, a, a bumper sticker that it says that if you could earn it, he's Jesus Christ stretched out on the cross, and it says if you could earn it, why did he have to die if you can earn it? You say we can't earn it, amen? It takes, like the Bible says in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. That's what being born again is. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Turn to your left to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. Galatians, chapter 2. Galatians, chapter 2. And verse 16. Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 16. The Bible says in Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Do you get it? Not by the works of righteousness, which we have done in Titus chapter 2, here in Galatians 2.16, knowing, we know some things. Paul says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Amen? Do you get it? Do you get it? So if someone is taking the rosary beads and flipping the rosary beads and they're doing backflips or... Uh, saying, Hail Mary, full of grapes, blessed be the fruit of the loom, Jesus, and all this stuff. And you say, what's that? That's not going to get you one mite closer to heaven. Nothing. The works won't save you. Amen? Uh, you say, but I've helped several little old ladies across the street, and I've gave to this fund and that fund, and I've helped this person, I've helped that person. That's all well and good. But concerning your way to heaven, that's, that's, that doesn't add up. It doesn't help Amen. you. Amen? It doesn't help you at all. Look at the next verse, verse 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also, also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. And um, he, said, he said there that you don't trust your own works. We've got to trust Christ. We've got to trust Christ. And some people haven't got to that point yet where they understand that. And that's a sad, a sad place to be in. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll finish with that uh, first uh, installment, if you will, with being born again and close that one out. But I've got a few questions for you, if you've been paying attention. A few questions. Uh, the first question, uh, see if, you, if you've got it. Uh, you, can, you can take the quiz in your mind here. I've got about four, five, or six. I've got eight, uh, six, seven here. Uh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll ask them and see if you can get them. Okay, the first one: 
In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, it teaches that man has a wicked what? What does man have in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9? You answer that question in your heart and your mind and see if you can get the right answer. Some of you might be on the tip of your tongue. You may have to look it up and that's okay. In the second question I've got for you in the way of a quiz. In Luke 16, uh, it teaches that lost people spend eternity in a place called blank. Where? Where do lost people spend eternity? Give you a second to answer that one. Lost people spend eternity in a place called... Okay, so the first one... Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, it teaches man has a wicked heart. Amen. The second one is Luke 16 teaches that lost people spend eternity in a place called hell. Hell. The third one here, does man have a choice in salvation? Does man have a choice in salvation? And that's just a simple yes or no. We went over and showed you all the verses there. And you say the obvious answer is yes, man has a choice. He can choose to accept Christ, to accept God, or reject Him. The fourth one here. Can you name one passage, one reference, uh, or, a, or a chapter in the Bible that teaches you must be born again? There's a couple of them that, I, that we, we mentioned. Uh, but uh, can you name one passage that teaches you must be born again? You must be born again. All right. I'm quizzing you. See if you can remember them. That'd be John chapter 3 and also in, in Peter as well. Amen. All right. The fifth one here. What is the water birth of John chapter 3? What is the water birth of John chapter 3? Uh, that which is born of the water. So what is that birth? What is that? Uh, what's the Lord talking about there according to the context? Do you remember? What is the water birth? It's not baptism. If you put baptism, that's wrong. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a natural birth. A natural birth. Number six. Uh, can you give a reference for this, um, for this scripture? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you give the reference for that one? The reference for, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the seventh one here is, you say that one was uh, Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 13. All right. Who said, uh, this is the seventh one, who said ye must be born again? Who said that? Who said ye must be born again? It's important to note that. It's important who said that. Uh, the authority that comes behind that. Who said ye must be born again? Say so that one's an easy one, Pastor. Well, good. I hope you got it. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now that we're finished with born again, the second one, the second one in the list here that we're going to take that we're going to look at is independence. Independence. 
And so here, uh, in this one, this, if, you, if you will, the first lesson is born again. The second one is independence. Here, we want to mention two things. First, the independence of the church, and then the independence of the individual Christian. The independence of the church and the independence of the Christian. Okay? So, the first thing we'll make, we'll make mention of is the independence which is also uh, another word you can use there is autonomy, autonomy, um, and, or independence. The words are interchangeable, autonomy, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-Y, autonomy of the local church. And that's why we, are, we call ourselves independent Baptist. Um, this cannot be understood until the local church is defined in contrast to the church, and so let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5. 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 And verse number 25. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That it, that it be without blemish. And so the church here is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also called His bride. And this is the, this is the church in general. This is not local. This is the church in general. And uh, look, look at verse number 28. Uh, sorry, verse 30. And verse... Verse 30, for we are members of his body. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Christ and the church. And so it's important to note those things. So it's understood that we've got a contrast here. We've got the church. Uh, you say, what is that? That's um, a term you, you might say the universal church. That means that someone that's in England, um, Ireland, Scotland, uh, Australia, America, India, they get saved and they're placed into the body of Christ. They're members of the body. Verse 30. For we're members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. And so we become, um, in the, we, we get put and placed into the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Does that make sense? Now, uh, look at Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. 
So we've got the, the, the church, the, the universal church that all believers belong to in Jesus Christ. And then you have the local church, the local church. So in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, And he, uh, this is of course talking about Jesus Christ, that's the context, you can read before that. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, Jesus is, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So in the church, uh, you find a church, uh, you want to find the right church that always puts Jesus Christ in his place, rightful place. And you say, where is that? The preeminent place. He deserves to be the center of attention and before all things and to be paramount in every Bible-believing church. Amen? Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says there that He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Uh, look at verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his, what? Body's sake, which is the church. You see, that is the, that is the universal church. That is the body of Jesus Christ. That's the body of Christ. And uh, continuing on, look at 1 Corinthians. Back to your left to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have to understand this before we make some other comments. That when you get saved, you get placed into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 13. Um, let's back up to verse 12. For as the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and then we'll read verse 13. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all, what? Baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. Do you see that? And so when you get saved, you are baptized into one body. And that's the body of Jesus Christ. Now notice that that baptism in verse 13, before or after it, there's no water present. There's no water present. You see, because baptism, uh, in some people's mind, automatically they put baptism and water together. That's not the case. That's not the case. Sometimes there's a baptism of water. There's a baptism of the Spirit. There's a baptism of fire. There's a baptism of suffering. Say, what is that? It's just immersion. It's immersed. It's immersion is what that, um, that word means. It's, it's an immersed, you're immersed into one body. You're placed into the body of Jesus Christ. 
All right. Now, turn over to Acts, the book of Acts. I'm going somewhere here, and, and I'll have to make this clear before uh, we talk about this, uh, this next, and get this next understanding. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. The Bible says, Praising God. This is the early church. And this is the church in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so the Lord added daily to that local church. And so this is why we, as a body of believers, as believers, we believe in the independence of the local church. Amen? And so um, you have to understand the difference between a universal church and a local church. The Apostle Paul wrote to um, uh, the churches. So he wrote to the church at Rome. He wrote to the church that's in Ephesus. He wrote to the church uh, in, in, in all the way through there. In the Colossians, the Philippians, he wrote to the churches that were in those places. And so those were the local churches, the literal, visible, physical church that was there that made up the universal church. So there's, there's a church, if you will, that's invisible. <laughs> and then there's one that's, um, that's, that's made up by all the believers and then there's one that's uh, a local church. Now, the local church contains those ones that are saved, that are, that are part of uh, the body of Christ and, and part of the church. Now, they're saying that. There is no outside, talking about independence, there's no outside coercion of our church. We are self-governing. We're self-governing. Choosing our own pastor and deacons. Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. One Timothy chapter 3. In verse, we'll start reading in verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Verse 6, not a novice, lest he be lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, and given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And let these also be first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. 
Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. So he's giving you the credentials here. He's giving you these things that uh, as, a, as a local church, we choose our, we're self-governing and we choose our own pastor and deacons. It's not appointed to us from somebody up higher. Um, we, uh, we take the, um, the local church decides who's going to be the deacons, who's going to be the pastors. They put them forth to the church and they say, yes, we choose this one to be our pastor. We choose this one to be our deacon. We're self-governing. Amen. We are, you say, how do we govern? We are our own governing body with the sole earthly authority being used, which is the scriptures, the scriptures. The Bible is our authority. Amen. We understand that the head of our church is Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, which we've already read. And the leader uh, of that local church is the under shepherd or the overseer in this congregation, which we call the pastor. Amen. Uh, look at Acts, the book of Acts. Turn back from Timothy to your left, Acts chapter 20. Meaning that uh, you, you'll find some churches and you say, what do they do? They will, have a, um, they will have an umbrella, if you will. They will have, it's sort of like a pyramid. And there's somebody sitting at the top and then a few underneath them and more underneath them and more underneath them until it trickles down to our church. And everything we do or say is, has to be checked out by the one above us and above us, above us, until... You don't have any liberty in Christ and you can't govern that local church. And there's places where they have to pay dues to the, the higher ups all the way to the top. And we don't believe in that. We believe that the local church is independent, autonomous, self-governing. And you say, what governs us? The Bible is our final authority, amen, in all matters of faith and practice. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, an independent Baptist versus a... Um, union Baptist. See that in, implied in the name is a union. They're, they're union. They're together. And there's someone up above them that's telling them what to do that's up above them that's up above them. We're independent of that. And Jesus Christ is our head in Colossians 1.18. And the under shepherd or overseer uh, is the pastor. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. And the Bible says here, For I have not shunned to declare, Acts 20, 27, unto you all the counsel of God. That's a pastor's job. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, he's talking to the pastors, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God. What did uh, Peter, what did Jesus Christ tell Peter at the end of the book of John? Peter, do you love me? Three times. And he said, if you do, feed my sheep. Amen. And uh, Peter, Peter was over there in the book of Acts. And you say, what did he do? He fed the sheep. He said, to feed the church of God, Acts 20 and verse 28. Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Which, is, which he's purchased with his own blood. And so we see there, the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn in your Bible to the right, 
till you come to a book called 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. Talking about this pastor. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Uh, the Bible also calls a bishop, an overseer, a pastor. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You see that? Be at peace among yourselves. Uh, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So the Lord says there that they're over you, they're overseers. Um, this is not... Um, it, it's uh, a, the, the picture that the Bible gives you is a shepherd and sheep. A shepherd leads the sheep, he protects the sheep. He doesn't, he doesn't drive the sheep and beat the sheep. That's not what he does. Um, that's not what Jesus Christ pictured. And that's not what uh, a good shepherd... Remember Jesus was called the good shepherd. Now there's some wicked shepherds. And, and the Bible says over there in Zechariah there's an idle shepherd. But if you're to be a good shepherd and a good pastor, you're supposed to lead the sheep. You're supposed to feed the sheep. Remember what Jesus Christ, when David was over there in Psalm 23, he said, uh, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Amen? That's the kind of pastor that you need, that will feed and lead in the right direction, the right way. And, uh, but you say, what is he doing? He's giving you the whole counsel of God and he's admonishing you. See there in the text in verse 12, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So when you get saved, you need to find a Bible-believing church and willingly go in and submit yourself in that local church um, and, be, and have that pastor there that cares about you and loves you and the Bible says to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. And that's what the Bible teaches. You say, why? For it's, it's for your good. It's for your good and your protection. That's what a shepherd does and a pastor. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. You're in Thessalonians. Look to your right in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 12. Sorry, verse 17. Let me say that again, verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Uh, this day and time, people don't like that terminology, but it's Bible terminology. The Bible says that them that are over you, overseers, and rule. Verse 17, let the elders that rule well, rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those they that, who labor in the word and doctrine. And you say, so what does that mean? Well, that's the elder, the pastor, the bishop. He rules well. He rules well. Uh, a ruler, you know what a ruler does? A ruler is, is something that you, you take out of your, your book bag there and you've got a, a ruler there and you, it's a standard. It's a standard. And you, you measure something and you say, well, that's right or that's off. 
And you say, you say, what does a pastor do? He holds up that standard. Amen? Uh, he holds up that ruler. Uh, a, a good ruler, you know what they do? They make rules. They have rules. And they try to give you the rules of the Word of God. And that those rules are for your good. And to, to keep you out of trouble. And to protect you. Amen? Rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the Word and doctrine. Verse 18, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And so the Bible tells you about this elder, about this pastor, and how they're over you and the Lord, and this is the way the local church is governed and set up. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Turn to your right. Just mentioning some Scripture here. Say, why are you mentioning this? Well, it's what the Bible teaches. And... and the first thing a little lamb needs, and, and what Jesus said to Peter over there in John, the end of John, uh, he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then last he said, feed my lambs. And you say, what's a lamb? A lamb's a little sheep. Those, those little babies, amen? Those little babies, those ones that are just uh, coming up in Christ. And they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. They need somebody that's going to care for their uh, welfare and their... their, their um, their, their needs and look after them and look out for wolves and those ones that would devour them. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse 7. The Bible says, Remember them which have the rule, there it is again, over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Remember what Paul did in Acts chapter 20, verse 27 and 28. Uh, he said that he's given you the whole counsel of God. And the Bible says there, the rule over you has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. That ruler, that standard, uh, the Apostle Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Uh, a pastor and his family set up in a local church so that men and women have a standard and an example to follow. And the Bible says, Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Considering the end of their conversation. Look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you, for you. And see, the, the shepherd, um, he, tries to, he tries to help the, the sheep that comes in, and the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Listen, God forbid a pastor, a Bible-believing pastor, would ever abuse that, um, that rulership, that, that submitting to the will of God and to the Lord. God forbid. Now, it happens. It happens, unfortunately. It happens where pastors abuse that. But Peter was very clear. Uh, look over at Peter. And he was very clear in how you as a pastor and how a good pastor is recognized in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, The elders, that's synonymous with pastor, which are among you, I exhort. Peter's preaching to them. Wasn't he uh, uh, a good 
example or one to listen to because the Lord Jesus Christ gave him instruction. Therefore, he could give you instruction and I instruction. Amen. He said, you, he said, they, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed, he didn't forget the words of the Lord Jesus that he told him. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Remember, he, Peter, in his words, matches Paul. Peter and Paul matched Jesus Christ. And Paul gave instruction to Timothy, and, Paul, and Jesus Christ gave instruction to Peter, and he said, they're giving it to us the same way they received it, which is feed the flock of God which is among you, Taking the oversight thereof. Look out and watch out. Take the oversight thereof. How? Not by constraint. You ever heard of the word restraint? Constraint? Um, and taking it to, by compulsion. Compelling. Um, you know, that's, we would say, oh, you know, you want that other piece of cake? Oh, don't twist my arm. You know? And you say a pastor is to lead. He's not supposed to twist your arm. It ought not be that kind of relationship where he's forcing you and twisting your arm. The Bible says not by constraint, but willingly. Willingly. Willingly on behalf of the pastor and the elder. Willingly and not by constraint on, that, on behalf of the shepherd of the sheep, of the, the flock that's there and the sheep that are there. They're supposed to be led, not whipped and driven. Amen. And uh, it says, not by constraint, but willingly. You say, over there, we just looked at it, and he said, he said that you esteem them very highly in love, very highly in love for their work's sake. You ought to have a love for your pastor, as a pastor has love for the sheep. And love one another, and by, by the grace of God, serve one another. And the Bible goes on to say, here, not for filthy lucre, Boy, you're talking about some pastors today. They'll up and leave a church for a green lead, is what one old preacher said. Said they'll get, they'll get a phone call, and next thing you know, they're out of that church, and they feel God calling them to a church that's five times the size of the church they're in with uh, quadruple the pay. They go from making 25000 a year to a hundred, And they say, I just feel like the Lord's led me there. No, I don't think so. Uh, the money led you there. You followed that money. The Bible says there, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords. Now that's a principle that you have that you might not understand unless you understand old English uh, laws and, and times. And you say there's a time of lords and serfs, servants and lords, where people serve underneath lords. And a Lord was not to be questioned by the serfs. A Lord was not to be, um, was supposed to be treated in such a way. And, and they were almost above the law in some ways. And that's not, uh, that's not the way you're supposed to be setting up a local church and governing a local church. You're supposed to have a faithful pastor that loves the people and the people love him. The Bible says in verse 3, Neither is being lords over God's heritage. That's God's people. Amen? That's God's flock, the flock of God. Uh, didn't we read that in verse 2? 
feed the flock of God. It belongs to the Lord. That's his heritage. That's God's sheep. That's God's heritage. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Hallelujah. That's what you want in a pastor. And just so you know, that's what I strive to be as a pastor. This is what these verses convict me and, and tell me how to behave and how to treat the sheep and how to love the sheep and how to feed the sheep. Amen? And you need to pray for me that I can do the best job that, that I can do. In verse 4, and this is where we get the, the terminology in the Bible, the under-shepherd and the chief shepherd. In verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, there you go, ye shall receive a crown of glory, that fadeth not away. And so that's where the Bible comes in and says the chief shepherd shall appear. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Amen? That's the good shepherd. And when he shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. There's the rapture uh, that, that's mentioned and uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Now, that's the, uh, that's the uh, autonomy of the local church and how it's governed and how it's set up. And so, yep, we just run out of time, just getting stuck into it. So the independence uh, of the, uh, and autonomy of the local church and the independence, the next thing we're going to discuss is the independence or the priesthood of the believer. The, the independence of the believer or priesthood of the believer. And so the independence is in the local church and independence of the believer. Just so you can understand how this, this all works, you know. Um, there was many years that I attended church that after I got saved that I didn't understand any of these things. I didn't understand, I, you know, I understood salvation and being born again. But when it came to the local church and uh, uh, also how it was governed, how it was set up according to the Bible, and also how, the, how you have independence as an individual and the priesthood of the believer. Amen. And so we'll get into that next time and talk about the independence of the believer or the priesthood of the believer. Um, um, and we'll talk about those things. All right. Now, anybody out there that's listening in, we do have a few minutes here. If you've got any questions 